Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and for one last time on the Zwift Tour de France podcast, I am joined with Dave McKenzie. Dave, what an extraordinary Tour de France we had. Just one word before we launch this podcast to summarize how you feel about this year's Tour de France. One word. Emotional. Emotional. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of another one. I'm not really. <laughs> no, I mean, every Tour de France is emotional. It's a Because you go through a range of emotions throughout the tour. The riders do, the people who work on the event do, not just the press, all the other people, the logistics people, the ASO staff. It's, and it's, it is one big family, moving circus for three weeks. So it is an, an incredible event. You know I said one word. And I just said about 30. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can listen to us on uh, SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, and of course, schedule a ride on Zwift at zwift.com. Dave, in the end, Froome wins the yellow this year. He had a proper challenge. Let's talk about this stage, though, in Paris. We have a winner that we need to watch the name for. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was great. I interviewed him post-stage. And you think, gee, I don't know a lot about this young boy who won. He looks like a young kid, you know, Dylan Groenewegen. He had seconds, thirds, top fives, couldn't win a stage, and then bang, he wins on the Champs-Élysées. When Robbie McEwen won his first stage of the Tour de France, he won 12, by the way. His first one was on the Champs-Élysées, just about when teams had given up on him. And he was with, he was with the, his current team at the time, Rabobank, which were the big Dutch squad. And his contract was done. They didn't want to re-sign him. And he sort of, oh, I don't know about a falling out, but it was time to move on. And he was desperate. And he won there. And then he went on to win 11 more. So watch that name, Dylan Grunewagen. And uh, I don't think it was sinking in for him. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, he was incredible on that win because, I mean, he held Greipel, which I had as my tip because Greipel, we could say, no win on the Tour, no win for the team on the Tour this year. Uh, so I, I was thinking he was going to be uh, the real man with the properly strong mentor to do it, but he beat him. Yeah, he did. And, uh, yeah, Greipel, you know, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a story because Andre Greipel, for the first time at the Tour de France, doesn't win a stage. Got close. It's the closest he got, I think, um, which, which will be disappointing for him. He won here last year, Andre Greipel. But, you know, it's what it is. It's a turning of the new leaf, isn't it? And Groenewegen now, I expect that we'll see him in the years to come. And uh, I think it's good. A lot of Yumbo have actually... Turned out to have a pretty good tour. A couple of stage wins. Uh, it's been pretty good for them with uh, Roglic. And, uh, you know, so it's they lost some guys early on uh, with Gersink and a couple of others. But, gee, they've uh, finished off well. They have a better tour than Cofidis, that's for sure. Are they, are they actually in the Tour de France, Cofidis? <laughs> uh, I was told they are, but uh, we haven't seen them really. Do you know, the, yeah, you're French. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to hang on them. You walked me into that one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm taking a little dig, that's okay. Uh, let's talk about Matthews, because what a great person he is. What a great green jersey he is. What a great example he is for all our kids that are loving cycling right now. It's nothing negative about him. It's all positive. Yes, yes. I think that that's a really 
good point you make and how good it is for the young kids that we've got coming through. And I agree. Look, the first week, we saw a few range of emotions from him. Nothing nothing bad, but, you know, our cameras caught him just frustrated, just a normal cyclist, sprinter, not winning, not being able to get in position, and he was frustrated. And Marcel Kittle, meanwhile, was just racking up win after win after win. But he was frustrated with himself, not against any other person. He wanted to win. Yes, and, and you know, it was a new team for him with Sunweb, and he left Orica Scott. And there was always a bit of there was always talk amongst the press about that. Why did he leave? Why did he leave Orica Scott? Um, should he have stayed? And all this sort of stuff. And should Orica Scott, you know, had, had had kept him and and all this sort of thing. And but um, in the end, it was the sage to Rodez, and that was suddenly where he stamped his authority. And he was always going well. To me, he was always going well before he had that stage win, the first one. But gee, it opened the floodgates, didn't it? Big time. Absolutely. Uh, let's listen to uh, Michael Matthews. It's your interview, by the way, in a mix zone post race. Now you've been on the podium. How was it? Actually, went a little bit too fast. <laughs> I wanted to stay there a little bit longer, but I think they kicked me off. <laughs> I, I reckon you did. You, you took. It was. You got up there and said, "I'll come off when I'm ready." Yeah. It's. It's. It does. Must go just too quick. Are, is everything just fast forward at the moment for you? Is it just a blur? Yeah, well, I think when you have these dreams about uh, this tour, the Tour de France and winning the green jersey, the dream has been so long. And uh, for it to be over in, I think, one and a half minutes on the podium, <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to stay there a little bit longer. But, um, yeah, I think I get to go up again with, uh, with the four jerseys. So, um, yeah, I'll soak it up a bit more when I get up there again. Have you, I meant to ask you the other day, the conversation you had with Richie Port when he said, bring home that green jersey. Have you spoken to him in the last week or so? just about this and, and especially after you got the green yeah we talk every single day he's um yeah, he's kept me motivated this whole time since uh since he had to exit the race unfortunately but um yeah he's been super motivating for me always pushing me always believing in me i think uh with a true champion like that uh, behind you you can achieve great things can we have a quick word for all the fans that have been following you in australia just a quick word for them Yeah, I think I just have to say thank you to all the support. I think uh, through Instagram and uh, Twitter and hearing all the nice cheers on the side of the road, it's been, uh, it's been incredible, especially after, after Richie had to quit the race. I think um, it was probably hard for the fans to keep, uh, keep motivated, but yeah, I'm glad I could uh, step up to the plate and um, yeah, keep the Aussie fans back home happy and uh, give them something to watch. So that was Michael Matthews, your interview with him. Uh, let's talk about uh, Chris Froome as well, because fourth Tour de France, I mean, you can't fault him. He was the strongest, even though he was, you know, people came close to him. You mentioned that Oran finished 54 seconds and he lost 50 seconds back in Dusseldorf, which seems like uh, ages ago, but uh, that was the stage number one. Is that where he's actually won that Tour de France, do you think? Pretty much, isn't it? Because he ripped a huge amount of time, as you said, out of uh, Rigoberta Oran. And then he held it, and they, they gained a few seconds here and there. Uran didn't really, he didn't really attack, but Uran, to me, rode such a smart race. He rode within himself, he rode within his limits. He, he did launch a couple of attacks on descents, and he followed the moves across the top of the climbs, but Uran I was really pleased with. But Chris Froome, you know what I liken Chris Froome to assimilate him with a little bit, and, and people might slam me down, but don't just pause, put, press the pause button for a second. Miguel Inderain, not because of his riding style, Miguel Inderain, I have to say, had a much more beautiful riding style than Chris Froome. But his demeanour, his demeanour off the bike. Chris Froome is an absolute gentleman. 
he's, he's, he is a pleasure to interview. I know he might not be the most exciting guy to interview for, for the public and the viewers when they listen to him, but he's just a gentleman. And when he got on the podium and said a reasonably long speech in English, he then switched and said uh, sort of half as long speech in French. His French is pretty good, is it? It is, it is, it is. It is. Yeah, and, and I just thought, he, he, pay, and he, he thanked the fans in French. He thanked the fans in English, of course. So it's just, and you said it to me as we're standing there listening, and I said, he's class, and you nodded and said yes, and you said, gee, there's a love-hate relationship. And you'd know, I mean, just with knowing, the, obviously, you're, you are French, the French language, you're, you're hearing all sides, aren't you, the English and French, and, and that's what it is, I guess. Absolutely. Let's listen to uh, Chris from uh, Straight After the Race. You said it, and I know you've been asked it, but this was your toughest one, wasn't it? And it was the closest one right down to the wire. Definitely the closest, and I think for me, uh, I certainly felt as if I had the most pressure on my shoulders on stage 20 of uh, any of the Tour de France's I've done. I mean, that start line yesterday was was immense. Um, So just, just super relieved to have got through and... Even though I had good days and bad days, I think the team was, was solid throughout and they were always a crutch for me to fall back on. Just on your team, Luke Rowe finished, I think, in last place. <laughs> and it's not a reflection of him as a rider, I know that, because I know what he's yeah. capable of. But it just shows you as a team came in with one purpose. And, and, and I know I'll, I'll reel off Kwiatkowski, Luke Rowe, all of the out guys are important, but it's so critical, isn't it? It is, it is. And I mean, it, it, it's, to, to come, it's such a privilege for me to come in as a leader of a team and to have ap- one goal, just absolute clarity in the team. We're here to win the race and, and not go for stages in between, not try and get in the break or do something different and animate the race. We, we, we were here for one thing and I had nine guys who were dedicated just for that. So, I mean, it, just, it made all the difference in the world. Even though I had good days and bad days, the team was, was amazing, absolutely amazing. For a monumental, monumental fifth next year, I'm sure you want Richie Port challenging you. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I mean, I definitely missed Richie in this last part of the race. Um, I certainly believe he, he had the ability, has the ability to be on that podium, if not even in the yellow jersey. So uh, it's only a matter of time. We'll see you in 12 months. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, you, so Chris Froome, straight after the race. I think we, we talked to you and me off air about how classy he is, but also when we realised the fact that if he wins next year, he, enster, he enters a group of Michael, Michael Indurain, uh, he enters a group of uh, Jacques Anquetil, Bernard Hinault, the guys that have won five Tour de France. Um, do you know, at one point, remember, if we remember, if we rewind back, he was second in arms to Sir Bradley Wiggins. And he came out on Plange de Belfi and then we just went, that, who is Chris Froome? And then now, down the line, he's, he's won four, he could win five. It's amazing, isn't it? And uh, I can't wait to see him go from Mont- monumental fifth. And now, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, and like I just said, I, I, I really like Chris Froome. I wanted to see him beaten this year. I, I guess I just wanted a new winner, you know. I, I, want, I want it to be, to be, um, to be I, want, I want a fresh face at the top. So, uh, However, now that he's got the four, I'd almost want him to do five because it's just, in this day and age, it is monumental. And so, yeah, like my question to him, uh, you know, from an Australian angle, obviously, Richie Portal will be back to challenge you and, uh, you know, we could hear his answer there. He's, he's ready for it already. He's ready for it. And because sometimes when you ask those questions, they say, oh, let me just, can't I just celebrate this one? I don't want to even think about next year. That's how special Chris Froome is. 
it is in his mind. It is already in his mind. And I can tell you now, the personnel at Team Sky, they are already starting the ball rolling. Absolutely. And I like your comparison with Miguel Indurain as well, because Miguel Indurain won yellow jersey without winning stages this year. Chris Froome wins the Tour de France without winning any stage. Yes, yes, uh, that's right. And and again, it's that demeanour off the bike. He's a gentleman. Miguel Indurain was an absolute gentleman. Uh, they, they all said that. And, uh, you know, he, he was. And I, and I was fortunate enough to see Indurain at the, the, the Tour Down Under. Uh, a few years ago, he came out as a, one of the legends. And they just said he was an absolute gentleman to, to speak to, to have... And that's how Chris Froome is, and, and I think that's how he'll be when he does retire. But he wants to, he wants to bag five first, doesn't he? You can't blame him. <laughs> so we just take a little break. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Tomo and Rob Arnold uh, straight after this to have their opinion on this Tour de France this year. Stick around, yeah? I'll stick around, absolutely. From the virtual world, Zwift produces real-world results. Zwift employees recently put this to the test in Iceland at the Whale Cyclothon. With a team of nine, they went head-to-head with some of the top teams in the world, and they won. Funny backstory to it is that to make the team, Zwift employees had a selection program where they all had to try out through competing in a series of workouts. Once selected, they then did their training primarily on Zwift as a means of really putting the product to the test. Learn more about Zwift and their team at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, and I'm here with the man, Michael Tomorais. Hi, Mike. G'day, Christoph. Good to be with you. It's awesome for you in the podcast third time. I promised it. Uh, yes, you did. And here I am. Third time lucky. Uh, what would be the highs and the lows for you for, the, for this year? Because it's been a very interesting Tour de France in the end. A couple of lows. Uh, one being that uh, Richie Port. When he crashed, it was devastating. I mean, he came into the Tour and I had made contact with him before the Tour. He was so uh, on a high. And uh, I really did have the feeling this was, was going to be his year, 2017. When he crashed, and even before that crash, on that climb, uh, the Montechat, uh, he was just so aggressive. And when he came down, there was stunned silence. You were there. It was horrible. And I think we reflected the mood of most Australians watching. So that's definitely a, a low. Um, the other low, I think, uh, some of the accommodation that's been put to us this year by the organisation leaves a lot to be desired. But for the, for, for the most part, it's been good. And highs. Because we can say Matthews is the very good surprise of these Tour de France, no matter where you're from. Look, you know, Matthews is obviously a high for us. And, you know, I've been on this tour now for 22 years and I've seen most of the Aussie success. In fact, I was trying to work it out the other day. I have seen uh, six of the seven Australians wear yellow jerseys. The only one that I haven't seen is Phil Anderson. And I have seen every Australian win a stage at the Tour de France. The first being Neil Stevens. No, I, may, I, I correct myself. Phil Anderson also won a couple of stages. So apart from Phil Anderson, I've seen every Australian. And that gives me a lot of joy. I saw two stage wins by an Aussie this year. Michael Matthews will also wear the green jersey. Look, I have been here and done that, and I feel very proud. And I'm not bragging. I've just seen this event progress, and I've seen this event being acknowledged and loved by Australians like myself. I get a kick out of people getting a kick out of what I got a kick out of a long time ago. That's awesome. Uh, but how good is Michael Matthews on a personal level? Everybody loves him. French media, German media. You know, when he won that stage, everyone wants to talk to him. And I didn't see this on every single stage, but he's so lovable. Humble, articulate, intelligent, and uh, it's not all about him. He doesn't beat his chest like many top sprinters. 
athletes. I won't name any, but uh, there are some very close to us who used to bang on a little bit. Michael Matthews is completely opposite, and that's why I think he's a bit of a darling. The same can be said for Warren Bargill. They're roommates, they're teammates, and they're probably the best of mates as well. So there was a real human interest element in Team Sunweb because of those two riders. And you know, I've said this on Twitter as a joke, but Team Sunweb for me is my perfect team. French winners, Australian winners, I can't ask for more. <laughs> you can't ask for more. In fact, uh, you may have seen more stage wins as a result of your dual nationality than we have. Seven wins for a whole Tour de France, it's amazing. You know, I don't brag, but it seems like you do. Of course. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. It's been, it's been awesome to be all around you and then doing this podcast, which I think has been quite successful as well. So thank you for the whole the support and everything we've been doing around. Christoph, can I just say the podcast has really enhanced our television coverage? No end. Thank you too. Cool. And time now in the podcast to recap with, uh, with Rob Arnold. Rob, uh, thank you for being part of this podcast as well. It's been great to, uh, to have you on the roads of France. Well, as you know, I love talking about cycling. So it's been a pleasure to be able to uh, offer a few thoughts. And uh, thanks for doing a fantastic job, Christophe. I've, be I've been listening to the podcast done by others and I've really enjoyed the way you've managed it. So thanks. It's great to have you here. Cool. Uh, let's uh, do it again next year. But before, I'm going to have uh, to ask you, uh, what would be the highlight for you of this Tour de France? I was almost going to say, you can't choose Matthews because everybody says Matthews. So Matthews is almost, okay, fair, complete. Matthews is the highlight of everybody that is Australian here. What else? Well, I mean, there's high and low lights, aren't there? I mean, if you have to talk about a special moment, it was Richie bouncing across the road. That was, but that's not a highlight at all. But it's something that I think this race will be remembered for for a long time, certainly by me, uh, because I, I was really expecting him to take on the challenge for the yellow jersey. And I think had he been here, he, he would have had a really good showing. But, you know, bygones are bygones and things have moved on. I can't do a Tour de France and pick one single isolated highlight. And... Um, People who have heard me talking throughout the year know that I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michael Matthews. I, I, I don't like to be a fanboy, but I like the way that he presents. I like the way that he uh, targets and achieves. So um, I'm going to have to put in a special mention for him. But if I want to choose something that I think is good for the Tour de France, I'm going to pick Roman Bardet's win at Perigud. I think not only the, that he won a stage, which he's done for the last two years before this, but that the, he showed that he's come back from his runner-up position last year. He was dead keen to try and you know, make a big impression. He should finish on the podium uh, <laughs> again today, but only just by the skin of his teeth or by his fingernails. And I don't want to isolate that win just for his stage win, because it, it, was, it was everything that happened in those last few hundred metres that was really indicative of what this tour was all about where we saw Chris lose a bit of time which is something that's rare we saw Chris lose the yellow jersey that day which has never happened with Sky's Rain we saw Aru good we saw you know the, in, it, and I think that's uh, the beauty of cycling is that you think that you've got a formula, you think if they put in more hills they're going to crack and the GC riders are going to be spitting people out here, there and everywhere but you know we saw four guys glued together with, uh, with Froome and Uran and Bardet and Lander they were basically going everyone, everything one could do the other could do just a little bit better and uh, so it was fun and right through till the time trial I think that the another standout has to be the Stud Velodrome in Arsay it didn't look like it was full it wasn't full but it was a fantastic atmosphere it was a great showcase of cycling if they really if people got their head around the idea of what was happening I think that there, more people would have turned up Marseille is a very vibrant city a very interesting place to be um, I proposed uh, to someone I was talking to 
earlier today that they should have reversed the, the uh, order of the time trials and had the Grande Pas in Marseille. It would have been quite spectacular. And the whole script would have been different without that wet beginning, you know. Consider it in the, within the first 10 kilometres, Alejandro Valverde's crashed out, a podium finisher in recent years, and suddenly, poof, the whole race has turned upside down. So um, I don't want the Tour to be remembered for one that was uh, heavily affected by crashes, but it was. I think it's been an enjoyable one, and I'm thrilled that Michael's pulled off what he has. Uh, I'm glad that Australia's won a couple of stages. I think it's good for the sport at home when Aussies win. And it's just... For me, another big part of the thrill was just tuning in to hashtag SBS TDF um, and just watching the commentary and understanding that there's a wealth of people who sit up really late and watch it and see it through. I don't know what they do through the day. I don't know how they manage their sleep lag, but um, I think you know, this is what I love about the Tour de France. It brings people together. Absolutely. It's been brilliant to have you around and uh, hopefully we'll uh, meet again uh, in the years to come and then maybe at the Tour next year. Let's just keep potting. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Cheers a lot. And we take a short break and we come back, we uh, catch up with Macau again. Yes, he's still here. Did you know that Zwift has hosted the first ever virtual Fondo? Yeah, it started back in March with the Maratona Does Dolomites e-Fondo and they've since created a series of Fondos once a month for anyone to join. It's a really cool way to join a challenging mass start participation event that rewards competition. Everyone gets to ride at their own pace and try to set their best time. The first e-Fondo in Zwift had over 3,000 participants. Impressive. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. And before we uh, conclude this podcast, I'd like to uh, go back to a, a discussion we had earlier on um, during this podcast. I think it was earlier this week about Lance Armstrong. And joke aside, the fact that we've beaten him on this podcast in Australia, etc., uh, etc. Et we asked the question, should we be listening to Lance Armstrong? Remember this discussion we had? I remember it well. It was, uh, and, and just to, to recap for our listeners, or, and if you, or if you missed that podcast, we talked about how... Uh, the, it was divided over, we were having dinner with our crew and the, the discussion came up about Lance Armstrong and just the, it was divided across the table whether or not uh, cycling should invite him back to listen to him or not. And, and, and of course being on the Tour de France and Matt Keenan, a uh, colleague of ours and of course the voice now of the Tour de France for the English speaking world, he said the same conversation happened with his ASO crew who were all French or predominantly French and he said it was 50% divided so then we decided to do a poll Absolutely and the poll results are quite interesting because we're not quite 50-50 with 59% of people saying no we shouldn't listen to to Lance Armstrong and there's a 33% of people saying yes we should so you understood there's a 9% people saying uh, no I don't know about this uh, fence sitters basically (laughs) Um, but what what I get out of this is that we had a lot of comments lots of comments which I I won't read them if you follow my tweet they they would be there but um, whatever happens is so polarising Lance Armstrong is he was polarizing as a rider he's still polarizing as a non-rider as a as a member of the general public yes and you know what else he's not going away he's not going away and I think I think for all those people who voted and who disagree on uh you know some voting yes listen to him no I think we will all agree that he's not going away whether we like it or not so you're right you've that's the key word it it, it is polarizing isn't it uh, so I, I guess the, the learnings from this is whether or not you listen to him, it's a personal decision. Uh, it comes down to this because he will be there. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, uh, you know, we won't say what we do. All we, all we will say is, we've topped you, dude, in Australia. <laughs> And we're coming to you next year. Yeah, we, we're going to chase the US market next. <laughs> it's been lovely having you in the podcast, uh, Maka. It's been, uh, it's been a revelation, I think, this podcast, and it's been great to have you. Uh, I don't want to be all nostalgic and stuff because you're Melbourne based and I'm Melbourne based yeah, we're but start crying. Don't, start cry don't, don't be one of those wimpy Frenchmen will you start crying on me it's like a French film you know like you know. <laughs> yeah cue, cue, the, cue that, that, the, watch that what's that French uh, musical instrument yeah cue the accordion oh the accordion oh here but joke aside it's been brilliant and thank you for being a, a really great addition to this podcast no thank you it's been fantastic and you know I just think I think I, I said it on the live coverage uh, Um, you, you're on the live coverage with Tomo and I, and I meant it. It's like uh, I, lo I love everything I do at the Tour de France, but reporting on on the finish lines sometimes can be quite stressful, and it's hard work. It, it's great fun, but it is hard work, and we have to chase specific sort of stuff and and specific riders. So when we do the pod at the end of most days or or the, the start of the next stages, you and I just standing around having fun outside the truck or at the start line. And we don't have to bring, we don't have to chase athletes. We're just having a good chat. And you, you're doing all that sort of hard work off the side to, to import that into the, the podcast. But no, it's just good fun, isn't it? And I think one thing's for sure is we both just love yapping. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? Let's do that again sometimes. We will. We will. Stay tuned, everyone. I think there might be more of these. I hope so. Thank you. And this is it, guys. This is it for this uh, Zwift Tour de France podcast for this year, for the 2017 edition of this Tour de France. It's been a real pleasure bringing you all these uh, discussions and all these grabs and all these laughs, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Christophe Mallet. I was your host for this whole series. You can listen back to these 24 episodes on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash central, on our website, sbs.com.au slash central. And of course, on Zwift.com for the last time, all the way from Paris. It's goodbye for now. And on behalf of the whole SBS team bringing you the, the Tour de France every year, every July, from France to Australia, it's goodbye for now and au revoir. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.